0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sambalite, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall. And I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanbalat the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite servant, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us, And said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Let's pray.
1: Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Uh, We thank you that we can be here together. Uh, We thank you for the wonderful moments of fellowship we've already enjoyed. Uh, We thank you for what we will be able to continue to enjoy uh, throughout this week. Father, as we open your words, uh, as we encounter you through uh, your holy word, uh, not only is it a tool for us to use and to master, but this morning would it also be for us a world to enter into and to guide us as followers of Jesus Father, uh, would Your love uh, shine true? Would Jesus be clear, uh, clearly seen? Uh, and would You stir up our faith um, and our affections for Him, uh, the One who has saved us from our sin? Uh, we ask for Your help in these next few minutes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you were to go into my garage at home um, uh, and, <laughs> and negotiate, it's absolute disaster that it is. Um, I feel very bad about that, but anyway, it's terrible. Um, you'll find on one of the shelves, next to all the other bits of the shelves, there's a little jar. Oh, no, it's actually quite a big jar. And for, in this jar, there's a whole bunch of padlocks. There's about, I reckon, nine padlocks in there with their keys, and it's just so random. It's like, why is this guy just like got so many padlocks just sitting in his garage? He's like, is he scared of like being locked out or something? I don't know. Anyway, uh, the reason I have all those padlocks is when I was in the army, uh, th- there was uh, you had to padlock everything. Like, you had to lock it up and lock it away. Um, in the first three months of my training, like, if something wasn't locked, like, you get issued this, this chest and that had to be locked. You have to have your doors on, like, your cupboards and everything. They had to be locked. Um, and it was to teach you this, uh, concept of security, having to secure everything that you had. Um, and now, it was a bit weird, like we were securing a spare pair of boots and an extra spare of clothes, uh, but if it wasn't secure, if the corporal decided to do a room inspection, he'd walk past and he'd see there'd be no lock or an unlocked lock on there, then he would proceed to un- open it all up and throw it all over the room and be like, that is what you get for not holding to the security that we need to hold. Now, it was a trite example but it was all about security, security, security. Because if you couldn't look after your shoes, then how on earth could we, could we, you know, <laughs> entrust to you to be responsible for a weapon, you know? If you, you know. So I've still got all these padlocks left over from my time in the army. From and I don't, I don't lock anything, not much anymore. Probably my car, uh, and my house, uh, and my phone, and my computer, and. Now, I started by saying that this morning because Nehemiah was a man that knew a lot about security. Nehemiah's job as the cupbearer for the king, he was one where he was the access point to the king's very mouth, wasn't he? He was, uh, he, he, he was, he was the man that provided a wall. He was the man that provided protection. He was a man whose very job, he would be the physical presence to protect the king from hurt, and by doing that, Nehemiah's protection and taking a sip of the wine or the milkshake or the lemonade, as we heard from JJ last week, uh, as, as he did that job, it also provided a place of safety and flourishing for the king because he could, he could rule and he could eat and he could do all of these things in the confidence that he was secure, couldn't he? So when I think about the person that Nehemiah was, trustworthy and loyal and a man who was really big on security, it it shouldn't come as a surprise to us when we see that as he goes back into Jerusalem and as he hears about what's happened to the walls at Jerusalem, it shouldn't surprise us that actually this man of security, he's worried that the walls and the gates that should supply security are broken down. And so Nehemiah asked permission from the king He's just like, I need to go back and I need to do something about the security for my people. And I need to do something about the security of the temple of the living God, the place of where God would meet his people, where his presence would would dwell into, have that interaction with his people. So Nehemiah cared about the security for God and his people. He wanted his people to feel a sense of safety. He wanted his people to have, again, that that wall around them and that, that mediated access into that community so that they could flourish, feel safe, and feel secure. Now, what Nehemiah does in our passage today is when he goes back into Jerusalem, he goes in and he does a recce, you know, he goes and walks around the walls at night and he figures out what needs to be done. And what he's heard has happened, what he's heard has happened has actually happened. The walls are stuffed, okay. So you think about this man who's just like, hold on, my whole job has been about providing security for the king. There's no security here for God's people. He walks around and then what proceeds to happen throughout these next couple of chapters is he calls people to the work of building up this wall again to provide security to Jerusalem and security of the temple. It's a really beautiful picture of what happens when Nehemiah is able to call people to build Um, It was great this morning. Uh, We are staying in the car. This is a moment where in the Bible, actually building walls unites people. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's pretty cool, God. I like what you did there. But building walls is uniting God's people in this task for building up the walls for the protection of Jerusalem, for their security and for their safety within within this place. Uh, Now, you would see if you were to go home and read through the rest of chapter three, everyone is at work on this building project everyone's involved. Like this is the Grand Designs f- footage, you know, where the, the cameraman's walking around and there's that cute little picture of like the kid who's just like got the hammer. He's like, oh, oh check me out. You know, and then he's going away. And then there's the mum on the Grand Designs project and she's just like, oh, well, I've got to be painting too. I've got, to, I've got to save the money. There's no one else that's going to do it. You know, everyone's getting involved. You know, the list there of all the of all the types of people, as well as their normal job, they're all contributing to the building up Of these walls there's the rulers there's the priests there's the perfumers like how cool is that the perfumers so it's like what do you do oh well I make perfume for a living oh great well I definitely trust you with that nail gun Um, (laughs) there's the daughters there's the governors there's the merchants and there's the goldsmiths everyone in this in the people of God they have all of their normal work that they're doing but they are also contributing to the work of the security and the flourishing of God's people, don't they? Every one of God's people in this time, they're bivocational. There's a contributing to what's happening. And we see, if you were to read through this passage, the work that they're doing, it's, 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 uh, it's locational to where they live. So Nehemiah, he, he um, delegates the little area that they're going to look after. And the area that they look after is the area that's closest to their home. You know, that we had a little bit at the end of our reading there um, of where people were fixing the certain walls and the certain gates. And it was the one that they lived next to, which, you know, if I was in Jerusalem at the time, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm buying into that. Um, the, the, the gate that is closest to me, I want to work on that one because I don't trust Jono on the other side of Jerusalem to build the gate outside my place. <laughs> Because I've seen John, I've seen what his fence looks like out the front of his house. And I don't want him building the gate that's going to be providing security to the Anyway, but there's this, this, uh, this, this idea of everyone being at work, all there together, and there's a proximity in the personal responsibility that they're all taking. Now, I just want you to picture what that would have been like for being a person on the ground in Jerusalem, being one of God's people at this time. All of a sudden you're looking around and you're seeing your, you know, many, many of them would have been uh, like had some family connection. Uh, they would have had a shared history and a shared story of, of we are the people and our legacy is the one of where God brought our ancestors out of the land of Egypt. We are the people of where God has been for us and he has brought us out of the land of Babylon and he has placed us here. We are the people of whom God loves and that God has shown mercy and God has called us and he said he will bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. We are that people. And now we are a people combined together to build up what is going to provide security for us and what's going to provide a safe place for us to flourish, to worship God and to enjoy him forever. Now, I don't know about you. When I think about this story, and as I've been like, like soaking in it this week, I'm like, that would have been awesome. Would have been awesome to be that. You know, I imagine myself as a as a young budding perfumer. Coming home from a hard day's work, and not really being able to smell anything. Like, like what's for dinner, love? I can't smell. All well, I can smell is the the rose hip that I've been working with today. Taking out my mallet, and putting on my sword. You're like now, I'm really going to get to work. Getting there and seeing. Joe Ash, next to me, he's obviously a goldsmith. He would have been a goldsmith. How was work today? Oh, it's good. Yes, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you pass, the, pass a couple more boards? You know, putting up this wall together, and the investment in also what we were looking forward to at the completion of this building. Now, I reckon that felt pretty. I reckon that would have felt pretty good at that time. I reckon it would have meant um, it would have meant a tightening and a closening of relationship. I reckon it would have also meant a, a greater, uh, a, a greater uh, love and enjoyment in what you were seeing God do in the collective attitude towards, of, of his people. Now, they're building a wall to keep people out. They're building gates to provide that access in. And the temple is in the centre of it all. Now, I want to ask today, this, this security this collective nature of this community of people, uh, this, uh, this sense of camaraderie and this sense of being under the plan and within the presence of God with the temple just over there, is that something that is appealing to you? Like, is there a longing in your heart to be a part of a people and to be in a place where there is no more locks on doors? where there is no need to lock your phone, where there is trust and peace and fellowship and love, is that something that you desire as well? As we think about this passage this morning and we think about the story that it lays out for us, I love how as we dive into it and as we think about actually the gospel of Jesus Christ, this feeling and this sense in this moment right now that God's people would have felt, this desire that is deep down in, I think, of every human heart, it, it points to what is possible for this world and it points to the good news of Jesus Christ of what God has done in this world. You see, what if, what if I was to tell you, What if I was to tell you that this story of a physical wall and physical gates that promoted safety and access and flourishing, uh, you know, what if I told you that it was a a pointer and a picture towards a new and better story where we have protection and a place of flourishing in a community with God also? So you want to read for us uh, from the book of Revelation, Revelation 21. And it's also going to talk about another city. It's going to talk about walls and it's going to talk about the gates there as well. And I also just want you to notice the type of city it is. And I want, to notice, want you to notice about uh, what's going on and then also the state of the gates. Okay. I'll read Revelation 21. This is the book. This, in this book, this is a revelation to a man named John. Uh, he got to sort of see, peer behind the, curtain, the veil, you know, and see into the, the heavens to be. Um, and he records that for us, for our encouragement. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Is this sounding familiar? And he, this is so good, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So good. And death shall be no more. Neither, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain for the former things have passed away. Who wants that? I'm signing up for that. Come on. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these are the words trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. And as for the cowardly and the faithless, the detestable and as for the murders and the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters and all the lies, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That little list there, those are all the reasons that we lock our doors. And they're gone in this new city. Verse 9 the new Jerusalem, then came out of heaven, the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last praise, And I spoke with me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down of heaven. Okay. We had a bit more information now about this city, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like Jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates of of the gates, the names of the tribes of the son of Israel were inscribed. And on the east, three gates and on the north, three gates and on the south, three gates and on the west, three gates and on the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, its length is the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length, its width, and its height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits. That's big by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. And the wall was built of jasper. That's pretty cool. Where the city was pure gold like clear glass. This city is awesome. It's beautiful. It's safe. It's a sight to behold. Like people go and look at the 12 apostles, that just looks like a big, that's 12 piles of poo compared to this city. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first were jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each of the gates were made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city had no need for sun and moon to shine on it, for the glory gives its light and its lamp lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it. And listen to this, and the gates will never be shut by day. You know the deep longing in your heart for a place to live and a place to dwell that is safe and secure and beautiful and warm and accessible where there's no more crying or pain or sickness or death? That is this place. That is this place. That is what is at the deep corners of your heart that you long for. That is what is at the heart of everyone across the Surf Coast, Armstrong Creek, and Mount Deneed. It is. People try and find that beauty of the city somewhere in that life. People find they try to find the security of that city somewhere in their life with something. But there's a problem, isn't there? In a place that is so beautiful and so cherishable and so wonderful where the presence of God dwells, How do we get in? We can't get in on our own. The gates that are open, there's still someone that is guarding that gate, guarding the presence of the living God. And while you and me are stained with the deceitfulness of sin, we're not waltzing into that city on our own. And there's no amount of good works, there's no amount of giving to the poor, there's no amount of recycling that is going to put us in a right state so that we can stand before a holy God and enter into this place of joy. The only way that we get into that city is if we get an invitation and if, and if God cleans us up and gives us the clothes to wear, to wear in it. So here in enter Jesus Christ. VSV <clears throat> translation. Uh, uses the word door, the NIV helpfully uses the word gate. So I'm going to read ESV, but I'm just going to have a little couple of NIV moments as I read through this, okay? This is Jesus speaking. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a man, is a thief and a robber. But 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 he who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus again said to them, like, come on, guys. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I am the gate. Anyone who enters by me, he or she will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I am the gate. Anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Do you want to enter into this city? You've got to go through the gate, which is Jesus Christ. You've got to go to Jesus. Jesus who says, Goes on to say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as we look, think about Nehemiah 2 and Nehemiah 3. We see the people here, they're building the wall and they're building the gates to provide this security for this city. Now, in the moment of the of the wall being complete it and finish, there is, there is a great moment there where there's a sense of safety and there's a sense of security and there's a sense of wonder and there's a sense of togetherness and joy. And that's the moment that I think we, we need to lean into that and go, do you want that? We can have that. That points to Jesus and his greater city, which he invites all of us into. Except do you notice the difference? Are we building the wall? No. Do we have to build the gates? No. What then is left for us to do? What then fills in the rest of the story? We see this city, it's, it's the next city to come, isn't it? It's our eternal hope. It is our certain future. when we we say no to our way of life and say yes to Jesus' way of life, when we say sorry for our sin and say yes to following him, if if that is us, we get to live with that certain hope of the city to come. we get to live with a heavenly perspective. So if you knew that your soon-to-be destination was one like that heavenly city, if you like if you had a holiday coming up, say, say next week, you're chatting to your friends at work and they said, oh, what's going on? What's going on this week? He said, oh, well actually I'm really looking forward to it. coming up soon. Got a holiday with some friends, some good friends. And uh, yeah, we're going to this really awesome place. Uh, like it's like paved with gold. Like you should see the floors, like the walls are insane. Like you, you've been down the museum and seen some of those precious stones. Everything's made of the precious stones. And it's just like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Is this like is, there like, is there some good activities on It's just like, well, actually, yeah, there's some, well, it's actually, it's about the activities that not are on. You know, like in this place, no one dies. And actually, no one's sad ever. And, uh, and, and, and actually, the, the one true God is there. And I get to see him face to face. And I get to feel his embrace. And I get to meet loved ones that I haven't seen for ages. And it's a place of joy. That's, that's, that's what I'm doing in, uh, in the weeks to come. What do you think your friend's going to say? I'm coming over. Sign me up. How do I come with you? What did you do to get to this place? You say, well, actually, it's, it's nothing that I've done. It's nothing I've done. I never deserved to be in that place. Never deserved it. I was meant to go to the other place with the idolaters and the murderers and the sinners. But the one who made that place, he put his son on the cross in my place so that I could go into. What was coming to him, he gave to me. So I want to tell you, friend, You can come to this place, but it means a change now. It means saying sorry for all the stuff that you know that you shouldn't have done. And it means accepting the Father's forgiveness because he loves you. He makes that place because he loves you and he invites you in. But the only way that I can go is if I'm holding on to Jesus Christ, who's going to lead me in, who I'm going to be holding hands with. And I stand at that gate and I don't go, it's not because I made the gate. It's not because I made the wall. It's not because of anything that I've done. It's because of his love. And he walks me across the threshold. So church, we're that that is our hope. That is our future. And that is why we're all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. So I hope that today when you're talking to your friends at work, when you're talking to your family, even when you're talking to each other today, that you remember the hope that you're called to, that when life is really hard now, we know it's temporary and there is a rest to come. And I hope that you know that the people that you love and the people that would long for this hope that you hope, they too can enter in. You simply just introduce them to Jesus and... And show them what a life that submits to Jesus look like, which is awesome. And in the meantime, let us together be a people who are building up each other in reminding us of those things. Pastoring each other, shepherding one another, reminding each other of the hope to come. It's, it's That community that we long for then, we do get to enjoy now. They call that the now but not yet kingdom of God. Yes, we are here and we are together and we still feel sin. And a lot of what we do is, is, is muddied and corrupted, but we still, we have the Holy Spirit, don't we? Who's at work in us to encourage us, to change us, to equip us. And we're a community that is shaped by the gospel of love, mercy and grace. So sin doesn't surprise us. We can forgive each other because Christ has forgiven us. And we love and we serve and we point to him in all that we do. And that's what I've been thinking about as I've read Nehemiah 2 and 3 this week. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Uh, Be with us this day to remember the hope that you've called us to. And let it be real. Give us a greater love and a greater hope for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, It is starting to sprinkle. If you do want to retreat to your car, you can. Um, uh, We're just going to have a song. Now to I just want you to there's, there's words in your handout but just take time to reflect think about Jesus Maybe you just read over and over and over the description of the city Revelation 21 maybe you do that for 4 minutes maybe you read over John 10 the Jesus the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep so the sheep can enter in Maybe it's just a time of saying God I'm sorry Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Whatever that is, just take these next few moments to reflect and be still and to know that he is God. And, um, and then Ian will lead us in the Lord's Supper as we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.